10 Facts About Chronic Pain Fact number one. Chronic pain has a different intensity. Pain is not new for anyone having it chronically. It's just that the intensity of it is different. Like other human beings, you've experienced pain since infancy. Often, it's a positive signal that indicates you're hurting, that you need help, that you're hungry, tired, or need a new diaper. As you've aged, you were pained by something that was hurting. You experienced pain from temporary separations, losses, or rejections. Often, your pain was seen as an opportunity to self-soothe, grow, learn to deal with disappointments and frustrations, and to delay gratification. You experienced all kinds of emotional pain, like anxiety, sadness, or anger, and had the ability to reduce your pain by learning language, by saying or doing things that made you relieved. You had pain from life stressors, many of which you had no control over, but recovered from. Then there was pain you developed from faulty thinking, or what I'd call infections in the prefrontal cortex of your brain. This is where you developed higher-level functioning skills like problem-solving, cognitive shifting, or the ability to change your way of thinking when making transitions, and self-reflection. You've had to cope with pain in many ways to build self-esteem, optimism, and resilience. Your pain may have increased from not meeting high self-imposed standards or by becoming preoccupied with internal worries over situations you found uncontrollable. Your pain could have come from feeling too much bitterness or guilt, or too little love or affection. You could have pain from abuse or trauma. When you have too much pain, your central nervous system becomes oversensitized. Even slight touches or pressures can be painful for you if you suffer from fibromyalgia. This is called central sensitization. Your pain can be felt in many places at different times. You have the capability to reduce your pain neurologically by utilizing the different strategies I will recommend later that can alter your neural pathways in positive ways. This is called neuroplasticity. Introduction You wake up early ready to start your day at the office, knowing full well that your healthcare practice has changed dramatically over time. You are already stressing out, thinking about having to see a multitude of patients, each of whom has differing complaints, symptoms, and histories that you have to review, then record in a detailed, cumbersome electronic health record, or EHR, you are now required to use. You feel frustrated, knowing full well that you will most likely Spend little time with each patient because of your large caseload and the note-taking and administrative demands placed on you. You get to your office and begin your first encounter by greeting your patient, then reviewing their record and medication list. You refine it if any medications or medication amounts have changed as indicated in the patient's EHR. Next, you ask for and record their present symptoms. As you listen to the patient share their concerns, you type away on your laptop. You know you don't want to fall behind with seeing patients and note-taking because it will only mean that you'll be going home later than usual or you'll have to catch up on recording notes later or the next day. Suddenly, you become irritable, recognizing that the symptoms your patient is describing are similar to those described during their previous visits. Typically, these are complaints of experiencing chronic physical complaints. 
Complaints that you surmise may have had no clear physical evidence to support them. You realize that it isn't going to be so easy for you to recommend anything new. You've advised so many options before with which the patient rarely improved or complied. Nothing is working. If you are a physician or clinical nurse practitioner, you may have prescribed medications like NSAIDs, muscle relaxants, or opiates. You may have performed certain procedures or advised patients to engage in healthy activities like simple stretching, exercising, or cutting down their weight or alcohol intake. You may have authorized or reviewed their x-rays, blood tests, or MRIs to try to substantiate the rationale for their physical complaints. A majority of the medical tests seem useless because the patient still complained of having chronic pain. You've even made periodic referrals to specialists like orthopedic surgeons, physical therapists, or chiropractors, despite knowing the patient's level of treatment adherence was minimal. You wonder if your patient is looking for a quick fix of an opioid medication you once prescribed so easily, but can't anymore because of federal and state regulations that restrict them. You even wonder if they're looking for a marijuana card. Or you begin to trust them, wondering if they're looking for a disability diagnosis a process that will require more of your precious limited time to procure documentation and complete detailed forms. You feel more frustrated and helpless. No matter what advice you give them, nothing seems to work. After talking to and examining your patient, it seems obvious to you that their pain persists. There is no perfect answer you can give them to rid themselves completely of their pain. You feel so helpless that you may recommend that they go to a pain management center because you're clear there's nothing more you can do for them. If you're a physical, occupational, rehabilitation therapist, a chiropractor, a mental health clinician, or even an acupuncturist, masseuse, or any other healthcare provider, you may believe that you have done your best to help your chronic pain patients improve and feel less pain. You hope that they can improve with your help. Like your medical colleagues, you can become discouraged and frustrated, feeling helpless because despite all the listening, empathy, and ongoing support, physical or emotional, you provide your patients, it doesn't change their complaints. Does this sound familiar? If so, then you're not alone. The number of patients reporting physical symptoms of chronic pain or pain that lasts longer than three to six months is increasing exponentially each year. A 2011 report by the Institute of Medicine of the National Academies, now known as the National Academy of Medicine, indicated that approximately 100 million individuals in the United States complain of having chronic physical pain. A report from Global Industry Analysts, Incorporated in that same year declared that the number is 1.5 billion people worldwide, or 3% to 4.5% of the global population. An NIH study published in the Journal of Pain, March 2015, noted that 126.1 million adults reported some pain in the previous three months, with 25.3 million adults, or 11.2%, suffering from daily chronic pain and 23.4 million, or 10.3% of adults, reporting a lot of pain. According to an article in Practice Fusion, June 2016, back pain has become one of the 10 highest ICD-10 diagnoses of major medical conditions for which patients seek treatment. An overview of American pain surveys by the National Fibromyalgia and Chronic Pain Association in 2015 reported that 4 out of 10 people with chronic pain say it impacts their overall quality of life. 77% of patients with chronic pain further report feeling depressed, while 86% report they don't sleep well, based on the American Academy of Pain Association's report in 2016. 
The 2011 Institute of National Academies report further noted that it costs the United States between $560 and $635 billion annually, some $261 to $300 billion, of which is due to incremental costs in health care, and $297 to $336 billion, <coughs> excuse me, uh, of which is due to lost productivity. The most serious condition is the exponential increase in drug overdoses from prescription opioid medications and from street drugs like heroin mixed with toxic fentanyl. The Centers for Disease Control reports that opioids, including prescription opioids, heroin, and fentanyl, killed more than 42,000 people in 2016, more than any year on record. 40% of all opioid overdose deaths involve a prescription opioid. Bloomberg News reported that the drug OxyContin generated $1.8 billion in sales in 2017 for its maker, Purdue Pharma LP. Despite the major focus on opiates by the federal and state governments, opiate uses is just one serious problem facing Americans and people worldwide. A study reported in Clinical Psychiatry News, February 2018, noted that Quote, of the 14,834 suicide deaths from 18 states in 2014, tests for alcohol conducted for 53%, or 7,883 of those 14,000 plus of decedents, were the most commonly performed and were the second most likely to be positive among drugs with data available. That rate was 40.2%. 70% of the positive results had blood alcohol concentrations of 0.08 grams per DL or higher. Antidepressants had the highest positivity rate for drugs included in the analysis. 40.8% of 3,682 tests conducted in 2014. Benzodiazepines were identified as the next most commonly seen drug, or 32.6%, followed by opiates, which is 30%, and marijuana, 20%. There seemed to be a higher correlation between the use of antidepressants and alcohol than between any other substances in patients, people who committed suicide. Many patients appear to be living a passive suicide lifestyle as a way to cope with having chronic pain. Many of them are overweight, prone to diabetes or cardiovascular conditions, get little to no exercise and continue to drink excessive amounts of alcohol and or smoke tobacco daily. The New York Times in March 2018 revealed that nearly 40% of Americans were obese in 2015 and 16. An NIH study in June 2015 found that alcohol use disorders were on the increase over the past decade. Quote, nearly one-third of adults in the United States have an alcohol use disorder at some time in their lives, but only 20% seek treatment. Even overdose deaths from cocaine use have doubled since 2010 to 2015, according to a NIDA study in September 2017. As a licensed professional who has worked in the mental health field for over 46 years, I have become deeply concerned about what is happening to you, the healthcare provider, given your level of stress from all the changes in the healthcare system, the need to keep up with the frenetic pace of seeing your patients daily, and your requirement to document copious electronic health record notes. I hear many of your colleagues concerned almost daily, listening to them commiserate during lunch hour about the extent of stress they are undergoing. Their concerns underscore the seriousness of information provided at a local seminar by a chief psychiatrist who represented the Physicians Health Services, Incorporated, a corporation of the Massachusetts Medical Society that specializes in helping physicians who are experiencing burnout. He acknowledged that their caseload 
had an increase dramatically in 2017, with more than 400 physicians and medical students being helped for mental health and substance use problems. One in three professionals was self-referred because of occupational stress, difficulties balancing work and family, and difficulties dealing with stress and financial pressures. Many of them are on active monitoring contracts for substance abuse. I believe that one of the main reasons many professionals in the healthcare community are overstressed or burning out is because they place unrealistic expectations on themselves to help so many patients change their behaviors, especially when it comes to more difficult conditions like having chronic pain. These professionals want to see their patients improve, if not conquer their pain, because that's what they're trained to do. And this includes you. As a healthcare provider, your positive desire to find the right treatment or cure for pain patients may not be so easy to realize. Why? Because the definition of chronic pain and the treatment expectations and strategies are changing dramatically, as you'll find out. My hope is that as any health type of healthcare provider who works with the patients who have chronic pain, you will find the information that we discuss in the future on these audio tapes helpful, or will be helpful enough that you can become less stressed. By changing your perspective about the paradigm of pain as being much more than simply physical symptoms. I hope that you can reduce your own high self-standards and the expectations of your patients to change and that you realize you are good enough in doing everything possible to help your patients. Treating chronic pain requires an ongoing team effort of which you are an integral member. Having the support of other healthcare providers as extended team members can help you reduce your own stress given the multidimensional and subjective nature of chronic pain and the fact that treating chronic pain implies simply trying to reduce it over time in a manner similar to many other biopsychosocial medical conditions.